What's up, friends? Happy Thursday. This is episode 26 of Bet to Win. I'm Claudia Bellafato. He's Joe Fan. Joe, we've got an awesome guest to break down UFC 269. We're going to talk week 14. And as always, we will end with Thursday Night Football and winning picks. Before we get to that, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. How's your week? It's good. Have you done your Christmas shopping yet? No, and I actually just realized too, and Amazon is struggling with all the deliveries and stuff. So I'll probably just have to do old fashioned, go to the mall, walk through, see what catches my eye for mom and dad instead of being lazy and ordering everything online. But what's on, I haven't done anything. What's on your Christmas list? My mom asked me. I said nothing. You guys have done enough for me. That's the sweetest. I know. That's what I told my mom. Actually, I was like, I want some new like socks and underwear. Just like a yearly <laughs> kind of like put it on the stocking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Christmas shopping is hard. It's stressful. Yeah. I don't Because do you it. want to come up with something that is like, oh, see, I got put time and care into it. It's yeah. the thought that counts. And then you, like, I, a gift card would be so much better used because then you would just go get whatever you want whenever you want it. Yeah. You know what I might do? I might just say, hey, I'll help you with a ticket to Vegas. Any of my friends and family who want to come visit me since no one has, which is a little messed up. Uh, and you can sleep on my couch. I literally bought a pullout couch specifically for friends and family to visit. Would no, your would no your parents sleep on the pullout couch and not get a hotel room? <laughs> my my mom did when she helped me move in. She actually slept. She wanted to test it out. I was like, you don't have to do it. I have a massive bed. But. Becky fan's a little too bougie for that. She'd be in the Anyways, hotel room. Anyways, so I'm, I'm going to keep it. Hell keep would, it simple Hell would my have gifts. to freeze over before my mom slept on a couch of any sort. <laughs> my mom's a trooper. Um, all right, let's talk. Before we go to week 14, let's do a little recap of week 13 and what went well for us, what didn't victory lap and hold this out. We both had a win. Patriots money line without a doubt. You got it at plus 125. I got it at plus 130. Uh, it was an interesting game. Kind of went how I thought it would. Except, except for your prop. Except Mac Jones <laughs> threw three times. And instead of, I thought there was going to be a little more volume there, but with the weather and everything, it went the way I thought it was going to. And I had faith in my Patriots the whole time. I said I felt lucky to be getting the points with them. And, um, yeah, it just it was a great value in a game that's a coin flip and crappy weather. Get a team that's plus money, and you see a Patriots team that can win in more ways than the Bills can win. Yes. A dominant running game where you knew exactly what was coming and they couldn't stop you. I loved, 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 loved Bill Belichick rocking the Navy mask pregame <laughs> as just sort of this like <laughs> sign of we're going to hit you in the mouth over and over and over, yep. and you're not going to be able to do anything about it. And they just ran them into submission. And by submission, I mean, Buffalo still had their chances. Um, this by no means was a sweat-free money line bet, um, but it feels good to cash it as my winning pick. You you bet it, but it wasn't your winning pick. It wasn't. I mean, I want to say, I keep saying this too, and I've been tweeting it out, that I want to hammer the Ramondre Stevenson rushing prop. It wasn't available at the time. But still, the Kendrick Bourne, I had receiver Kendrick Bourne over 31 and a half receiving yards. And this is what sucks about betting is the numbers were all there. Everything added up in pregame. And maybe I didn't realize just how bad the weather was going to be. And, and the fact that Mac was literally going to throw three times, not much else to say there. Definitely should have went with a rushing prop, but you live and learn. It'd be like that sometimes. It it's, really do. I, that's easier when you just know from the jump, it ain't happening. Yeah. The, the worst part is I think both of us, neither of us are surprised that, Stevenson and Damian Harris reached their totals. And when, like, as Damian Harris is 
is on that like 65 yard touchdown run, mm. you're thinking, God, I should have bet his prop. Oh yeah. <laughs> I literally said I that out loud. I should have put like, a uh, rent check yeah. as he's sprinting to the goal line and yeah. cash it in the first half. Yeah. Um, a wild game. They, they match up again here in a couple of weeks. Um, and you hope that the weather is, uh, although you never know in New England or Foxborough, how it's going to be. But I don't know if we learned a ton about that game other than the Patriots have a dominant running game and, and Buffalo had couldn't do anything about it. Um, I was also impressed just by Josh Allen. Like that dude was throwing missiles through 60 mile an hour winds. All right, Joe, let's transition to some UFC 269 this Saturday right here in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena. But instead of just you and I talking about it, let's bring in the expert. We've got Kel Dansby from ESPN Ringside, also the host of the Corner Podcast with our guy Andreas Hale, who we had on here a few weeks ago. Follow him at Kel Dansby on Twitter. Kel, what's going on, man? Nothing. Enjoying a good weekend of combat sports. I'm in New York currently for the Lomachenko fight. So sad face. I'm going to miss <laughs> UFC 269. Um, don't tell anyone. I think it's the better card this weekend. So it's going to be really fun. But I'm here doing boxing and I'll be watching on my laptop because there's just a couple of fights that are must see this week. Hey, I want to get to that card. Uh, we come, we're coming off of a monster card. UFC 268 where uh, Usman defeated Covington. That was a really highly anticipated card. It had two co-main events, just like this one. I'm curious, on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate UFC 269? How does it compare to what we saw a month ago? It's pretty comparable to a month ago, right? Like, they have two really good fights at the top of the card. I'd say it's even. It shouldn't have been even, though. Like, this was supposed to be the big blowout for the end of the year, but Jorge Masvidal pulled out of the fight. So once you lose Jorge Masvidal, for better or worse, on a card, you, you don't have that same star power. And so he gets injured. That fight is off of his card. And then now, as great as you know Amanda Nunez is, I think she should be headlining cards at this point. She's the best women's fighter ever. But her and the co-main isn't something that's going to drive casuals to tune in. Mm. You know, it, it's not, you know, the guy, like the rock isn't walking someone out now. There's, there's a little bit of that star power that is missing. So with that being said, it's a great fight technically between, you know, the cage in the cage, but uh, outside of that, for the spectacle of it, it lost a lot when Mosfidal kind of dropped. You make a good point with Nunez. She should be headlining the cards at this point. And Joe and I want to get into that a little bit, but before we do that, let's talk about the main event, the lightweight title bout with defending champion Charles Oliveira, but he's the dog here at plus 140 against Dustin Poirier who's favored at minus 165. Let's first talk about that. Oliveira has nine fight win streak right now. Why is he the dog? It's the Conor McGregor effect, right? Conor McGregor for, think whatever you want of him. The best thing he's ever said is when someone signs on the dotted line, it's red panty night. This is their Super Bowl, right? He makes stars. The reason why Nate Diaz is a superstar is because of Conor McGregor. The reason why Dustin Poirier is favorited in this fight is because of Conor McGregor and beating Conor. This is what happens. If this was pro wrestling, Conor McGregor gave him the rub. Dustin Poirier is the star. He's the name known by more people. And it's the reason why more people are betting on him. So when you look at that, I I think Poirier, again, his resume is better than Oliveira's resume. 
they both came in around the same time. Both started super young in the UFC. So both have a ton of fights in the promotion. And when you have names like, you know, Conor McGregor, like I just mentioned, when you have Tony Ferguson, you get these names on your resume. Um, Max Holloway, Poirier's beat. Like, there, there's names on a Holloway when he's on his streak now where he deserves to be a favorite. But the guy's the champ. Like, and you can say what you want at the end of the day. Like, the champ coming in as an underdog is, is very disrespectful, um, especially considering someone like Charles Oliveira, who has the most finishes in UFC history. Not the division, not the past five years, UFC history. He has the most finishes. He has the most submissions in UFC history. This guy doesn't let it go to the judges. He is a finisher. So that means he's in every fight. So for him to come in with the belt to be an underdog is, is a little disrespectful. Yeah. I'm, I'm just curious too, Joe, before we get to your question, <clears throat> you've seen so many fights at this point. When you saw this card, this is what I like to do with football. Is like I'll look at the matchups before I look at how they set the lines. And in my head, I'm going to say who I think should be the favorite and where I think the point spread should be. So if you looked at these matchups, what would you have set the lines at for these two fighters? I think Oliveira should have opened as the favorite. So coming in, Poirier has two fights against McGregor. The first one, okay, he gets the knockout. I thought that was pretty legit. The last one ended on a broken leg. So you look at how both of those end. Oliveira, if they wanted him, if he wasn't the favorite for the belt or the person going in for the championship, they should have put him in the title picture last May. They could have had Dustin Poirier have the championship against Conor McGregor. They did not. So I think when someone is a champion, when the promotion declares them the champion, when he's on a nine-fight winning streak, I think you look at that guy and you say, okay, he should open as the favorite. And if the line shifts from there, mm-hmm. let the betting public shift the line. Yeah. Right? Like if more money is coming in on one side or the other, then we see a shift on the line after that. But I think with his resume, what he's done lately, and him being the outright champion, he's the guy who should be the favorite. Every- That's that's like Tom Brady going back to the Super Bowl and you're saying Tom Brady's a dog. I don't mm-hmm. care what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are doing this year. If they make it to the Super Bowl, Tom Brady should be the favorite. He mm-hmm. is the champion. I don't care if they're going against a Patriots team who's hot. I don't care if they're going against Mahomes. Tom Brady is the champion from last year. Yeah. He should be the favorite. So um, I think Oliveira should get that same respect. That's sort of the same logic that in the SEC championship. It's like, oh, wait, I can get mm-hmm. points with Alabama. I can get Nick Saban at plus money. And yeah. then certainly it works out in that <laughs> game. Everything you're saying to me screams great value uh, with Oliveira at plus 140. Let's finish this fight up, put a bow on it before moving to the co-main event. Give us your sort of comparison, your tail of the tape in terms of comparing the fighters and their styles, and then ultimately make a pick for us. I think Charles Oliveira has come a long way in his stand-up, right? Because for a long time, he was a submission chief. He was a guy, don't go to the ground with him. You can kind of stand on your feet. You have a good chance, maybe outpointing him, even knocking him out. His stand-up has come such a long way, and he's found ways to get people on the ground where he doesn't just have to just pin them against the cage, drag them down. Mm-hmm. That's not his style anymore. He can finish in different ways. He can be hurt, and then you can chase him to the ground. Next thing you know, you're in the triangle or something crazy, and you're being submitted. So he has a lot of ways to win this fight. That's something I always look at when you're betting MMA and you see these lines come out. You go down the list and you say, how many ways can they win this fight? 
And that's how you make a smart bet in MMA. Dustin Poirier, when you're coming into this fight, you look at, he can knock out Charles Oliveira. He's knocked out a few people recently. Justin Gaethje, Conor McGregor, cool. He can go 25 minutes. You saw that against Max Holloway. He can win a decision. Can he sub Charles Oliveira? No, he's not going to win by submission, right? He's not going to have the advantage on the ground. So you look at Charles Oliveira, he can very well knock out Dustin Poirier. We saw him do that to Michael Chandler on the feet without the submission. He can, of course, he's a better guy on the ground, and he can go 25 minutes and win the decision. So he has more ways technically to win the fight than Dustin Poirier. He is a good bet in that regard because at any point if it touches the ground, Charles Oliveira can finish any point. Dustin Poirier hits the ground, it's over. Mm. Same thing we saw with Habib. Dustin Poirier has a lot of weapons. As soon as it got to the ground, it's over. And Habib won that fight. And that's when, that was Habib versus anybody. And you look at Charles Oliveira the same way. Standing up, they can both finish it. Decision, they can both do that. On the ground, only one guy is going to win by submission. So just so we're clear, is that your pick? Is that where you're going? Because I'm about to lock in the ticket right now. I'm I'm like ready to go. I'm tailing. (laughs) Is that where we're going? Are we locking that in? We're going plus 140 with Oliveira? I will will tell you this. Oh, come on. the, the The only two bets I am taking is Poirier by knockout, Oliveira by submission. That's it. I like you it. want to put in a ticket. Those are the bets to make because combined, this is the highest finishing rate in UFC championship history mm. for these two guys. No fight for a title has seen a greater percentage of finishes between the two people competing in a main event. So this is not going to the judges. <laughs> this is like either Dustin Poirier is going to knock him out or Charles Oliveira going to stun Poirier and choke him out. Those are only two ways this fight finishes. All right. Well, you sound confident, so I'm I'm going to tell you there. I like it. <laughs> Hopefully, the the dog pick wins because I like me some plus money. Let's talk about the co-main event, and you mentioned Amanda <laughs> Nunez uh, defending her women's bantamweight title. <laughs> talk about a heavy favorite minus eight fifty against Juliana Pena at plus five eighty. Nunez has won twelve consecutive fights, including wins over every champion in the history of bantamweight and featherweight division. It's just absolutely ridiculous. My question to you is, how does not only Pena beat Nunez, but how does anyone beat her at this point? You beat her how you have to beat someone like John Jones, where you know you're not better than them. You have to knock them out with one punch or one kick. Mm. You're, you're not going to out-technical Amanda Nunez. People forget she's amazing at jiu-jitsu. She never has to use it. Like, it's one of those things where it's, or she has so many things in the toolbox. She's so far ahead of everyone else in the division, in the sport, that she's just running through people. She doesn't even have to show 100% of herself. She's that good right now. Minus say 50 is honestly a steal. Like, if you got it, lay it on her. <laughs> Bet big. Because minus wow. 50 is not, not large enough. Um, it's one of those spreads where she is not losing this fight. This fight probably doesn't go two rounds. She is that good. Juliana Pena, again, she can sell the fight. She's great on the mic. She's a good fighter. There's levels to this. And Amanda Nunes is at a different level. So I expect this fight to go. I'll be generous. I'll be kind. It'll go into the second round, and Amanda Nunes will finish her like in the first minute of the second round. 
Yeah, Juliana Pena asked for this fight. She she talked her talk and got this fight uh, after begging Dana White for it. I was looking through that in terms of the notes of how this fight came to be. Um, to me, like everything you say and what you look at the lines, I, I guess, yeah, we talk about how Amanda Nunez is, is worthy of being a, a headliner on her own. But it's also, if I'm in the UFC, I don't want to put a headliner on there that I don't think is going to last more than 30 seconds because you yeah. have someone who can't compete. And on that note, to, to finish up here, we know your pick is, is she the GOAT regardless of gender here? We know if there's a Mount Rush, she's the greatest women's fighter of all time. If there's a Mount Rushmore, you have to put her on. But is, is there a male fighter that has a resume that compares to hers? John Jones would be the only one. And I say that because his two wins over Daniel Cormier. John Jones never competed at heavyweight, right? So Amanda Nunez is a two-division champion. But John Jones has beat a heavyweight champion twice. And Daniel Cormier was arguably the best heavyweight champion in UFC history at that point. You know, until he lost to Stipe, and then you, you get into, like, a weird world where is Stipe the best, whatever it may be. Um, but John Jones was dominant against Daniel Cormier twice. So we can project what he would do at heavyweight. And we're going to end up seeing that, it looks like, in the near future what he can be at heavyweight as well. So I think John Jones is the GOAT in MMA. Best person we've ever seen. Amanda Nunez is right under that. You know, Amanda Nunez, her only knock is that it took her a while to figure it out. She had to learn how to cut weight. Her gas tank wasn't good early on in her career. She couldn't go the distance. People took advantage of that. And then she lost a couple of fights. And once she figured out how to you know, once she got enough money to train correctly and all the time and to hire nutritionists and everything else, the sky was the limit. She became the greatest women's fighter of all time. So I can't hold the losses against her too much because that's just a product of the environment. Now, though, when you go against, like, who's the best ever, you got to count. Them. So we've seen her lose. Um, she's had those close fights with um, Bullet, Shevchenko. I thought she lost the first Shevchenko. But outside of that, she hasn't been tested since. She's ran through everyone. That cyborg win is huge. What she did to Ronda Rousey is amazing. Mm. I'm surprised she's not a megastar after that. Um, so it, it's one of those things where she's right under John Jones, but probably way ahead of everyone else. A goat nonetheless, for sure. All right, Cal Dansby, thank you so much for breaking down UFC 269 with us again this Saturday at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. You enjoy your trip in New York, and we'll see you back here in Vegas soon. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me. That was great. That was he, very informative. He was awesome. I love, we we talked about this right after we talked to Andreas a month ago for the Usman fight, but it's fun to have conversations where you're not sharing opinions, but truly trying to learn something. And I think both of yeah. us are such fighting novices, and <laughs> I think both of us have a long way to go in terms of feeling comfortable talking about it, but it you can still have really fun conversations because yeah. I imagine a number of our listeners aren't necessarily diehard UFC fans. And even if you yeah. are, you learned a ton from Kel. And if you're not, you learned a ton from Kel. And so yeah. he was a tremendous guest. Um, a couple of great picks. Again, uh, it's Poirier by knockout and uh, Oliveira by submission are his mm -hmm. best bets on that main event. Yeah. We I... also love just the plus 140 money line. I was going to say, I think I'm just going to go with it. Like Why it. not? I feel like it's the Patriots Bama situation. I'm just going to take uh, the better option with the plus money. Yep. That's what we like to do. Uh, Taylor Bale 
NFL Week 14. Joe and I both picked two teams that we have faith in. We're going to see if we agree or disagree with each other. And Joe, I'm a giver. I'm going to let you go first. Uh, I am going with the Chargers minus 10 against the Giants. They're hosting uh, the New York football Giants. This line opened at minus 7. is blown to minus 10. That makes sense given that Jake Fromm might start in this game. He's never played a snap in the regular season. Mike Glennon might end up being in there. I don't think it matters. Mm. The Chargers should win this game. We could talk about letdown spots. They're coming off of a huge road victory, a blowout win against the Bengals. Um, and then they have next Thursday, the Kansas City Chiefs, a huge divisional matchup that could potentially decide the winner of the AFC West. So sandwich this game. is sandwich game, as as our friend Nick Dayas uh, of the Upsets and Underdogs podcast told us. It's a letdown spot, look ahead spot, whatever you want to call it, that exists here. The Charter... This makes me nervous because I have been on the wrong side of both of these teams in just about every game. And just a couple of weeks ago, I swore off ever betting a side in the Giants game. Yet here I am coming back for more. Crazy. Um, the Chargers <laughs> are second in offensive DVOA. They're by far the better team. Uh, the Giants have scored just 32 points their last three games. Their offense ranks 28th in terms of DVOA. This shouldn't be a contest. The Giants continue to be banged up. Kenny Galladay is questionable. The ribs, ribs injury. Sterling Shepard and Kadarius Toney likely out. Yes, I guess Saquon Barkley going off is like the one recipe for New York hanging around in this game. But yeah. give me the Chargers. If they can start hot and get an early lead, they should run away with this one. Minus 10 feels comfortable for me. And I'm going to take the heavy favorite here. Yeah, I'm going to tell you here. Um, again, I don't think I like to say this about games like this. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to go with the better team. And if you look at the Giants, I mean, they just lost to the Dolphins 20 to 9. The Chargers are certainly a superior team. In that game, the offense could not get going. There really was no hope for them. That was with Mike Lennon at quarterback, like you mentioned, whether it's him or from, doesn't really matter to me. I have a lot more faith in Justin Herbert, who just won AFC Offensive Player of the Week. He looked great against the Bengals, led all AFC passers in yards and touchdowns, as well as completion percentage, passer rating. Again, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to go with the better team here in the Chargers, and I will lay 10 with them. What you got? I got Seahawks and uh, I'm a line mover, people. It moved from seven. Big whale bet from Claudia Bellafano. Yeah. I got it at seven and a half. It's up to eight and a half. Sharp now. money coming in. You know, at Texans. Total open at 44, now down to 41. Seahawks coming off of an upset win over a good Niners team. Russ, I won't say is cooking yet. Just I hate that term, but he's heating up. Last two weeks, 73% completion, four touchdowns. And one interception. The defense looked good. They forced three turnovers. They kept the Niners scoreless in the second half. They looked really good against the run. And Houston doesn't really have much to play for right now. They're already Feels out of like the playoffs. Feels like sort of similar logic with the Chargers game. Yeah, there's just Don't not, overthink it. They have Davis Mills, a quarterback. He's gone 0-6 and starts. They're last in total offense. They've had five games. Five games without scoring a touchdown this season. Averaging league-worst 13 points a game. Least total yards. They're giving up the third most points. Their defense is not good, giving up the most rush yards. There's really nothing good about the Texans that I that I can say, so I'm not going to try and cherry pick there. I'm going to keep it simple, going with the better team that um, is trying to prove that they're coming back. They're cooking. It's sort of remarkable that the Texans have failed to score 10 points in half of their games. Yeah. Six games, they've been at nine points or less. Nine, zero, three, five, nine. And most recently, zero against the Colts. Mm -hmm. uh, 
this is an easy tale for me as well. Um, I don't know if Russ is cooking again, but at least like Heating up. turn the burner on, yeah. which is more than could be said for this team the previous <laughs> three weeks or much of the last year. Yeah. So yes, Pete Carroll has gone on and on about how they're not dead yet. And they aren't, uh, the NFC wildcard race, really both conferences, the wildcard race is just absurdly tight. Every team outside of a couple are still in the mix. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a game, even without Jamal Adams, who's done for the year with a torn labrum, this should be a comfortable win. And I just kind of picture um, Seahawks Twitter just unraveling. <laughs> should it be a close game? I don't yeah. think it will be. I think they win comfortably. I'm happy to tell you here. Um, my second game, because I'm a masochist and I like pain and <laughs> torturing myself, <laughs> is I'm going to take the Vikings on Thursday night, minus three against the Steelers. And there's a lot of signs that point to this being a terrible decision. <laughs> but I'm going to go with it. But because we remember, you know, people don't forget. I certainly haven't forgotten them losing outright to the Detroit Lions just last week. The Vikings are 1-9 in their last 10 games against, uh, against the spread as a favorite. The Vikings' rush defense ranks 29th in DVOA, 31st in opponent's yards per rush. Najee Harris could have a big game. But, however, <laughs> I don't care that the Steelers are 18-5-1 against the spread in their last 24 games as underdogs. They're not a good team, period. And we watch these games, and both of them are right around 500, but we watch these games where the Steelers feel lucky to be in games. Uh, they're 6-5-1, and one, and all six of their wins have just felt so heinous. Talk about losing to the Detroit Lions. They tied the Detroit Lions. Granted, it was uh, Mason Rudolph who yeah, was playing. Was yeah. Minnesota's 5-7, and seven, and they have just found ways to lose games. I feel comfortable betting on the better team who is at home. Um, and if you look at Minnesota, they're still 11th in team DVOA. Pittsburgh is 23rd. They're 11th in pro football focus rating. Pittsburgh is 26th. There's no question in my mind who the better team is. I don't care if Dalvin Cook plays. Alexander Madison is almost a plug-and-play, a Jace-type player in that running game. Yes, Adam Thielen being out hurts. I believe in Justin Jefferson to such a degree that it's not changing my mind here. I am going. Really, you just got to make sure that TJ Watt doesn't just take over the game, which is easier said than done. Given he had three and a half sacks last week, and he's got sixteen uh, in just ten games. So obviously, you can't trivialize just containing TJ Watt. It's far more difficult to do and easier said than done. And I know this is going to be a sweat-filled evening for me. Yeah, but I'm taking the Vikings nonetheless. There's just not a lot of lines I really like on this card in this slate this weekend. I'm thinking card with. You know, talking UFC on this slate in week 14. You're such a UFC buff. So. Such a UFC buff. <laughs> no, Huge fight guy I, I myself. Agree. I agree. And I look at... Do you think I've been in a fight? Um, I'm going to say no. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I've been in a few. No. Um, 100%. Yeah. That's not shocking. I can see yeah. that. As yeah. little as Don't I want to punch somebody, <laughs> taking a punch sounds terrible. Yeah, but like you're tall. So it... I don't... Still don't want to get a fight. Okay. I kind of want to hear about yours, though. Can we like, uh, no, we can no, do a we'll quick 30 second a, time no, out. We'll save that for another time. Wow, what a tease. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm going to bail. I mean, this game is gross. I'm not going to actually touch it, but for segment purposes, I'm going to take the points. 
I mean, you look at, and it's not just the Vikings lines. We talked about that terrible coverage down with four seconds left, Jared Goff, blah, 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 all of that. But like the Lions were leading that game. They were up 20 to six going into halftime. So, and I've been high on Kirk Cousins. I have been, uh, I guess we'll say positive about the Vikings. But in this spot, they're one and nine against the spread in their last 10 as a favorite. I'm so sick of sweating this team. Like you're crazy. You're a mas- massive, whatever. Masochist you're, is the yeah, word. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to torture myself. I refuse. Uh, especially when I've banged up Dalvin Cook, whether he's playing or not. They're without feeling, like you mentioned. And Kirk Cousins' numbers are really good this season. But how long can you go without your main weapons? And I want to give Big Ben a little shout out. Okay. Season outlook, not great. He's not quite the Big Ben that he used to be. But in his past four games, he has three with multiple touchdowns. His offense is full strength right now. You mentioned how stellar TJ Watt has been. Uh, just named AFC Defensive Player of the Week. They got a win against the Ravens, who was or kind of all over the place, but they're certainly better than the Lions. I'm not going to touch this game again, but I would rather take the Steelers with the points. Here. I'm not going to lie. I didn't hear a word you just said. I'm just picturing you ground and pounding some chicken's <laughs> bar. <laughs> Kicking the crap out of some girl in Boston. Yeah, well, you know. I, had I wouldn't to, want I had to protect you. myself. Uh, <laughs> you should see the other chick. Yeah, uh, you should. One wah, game, wah, one game wah, I wah. am playing though is my Cowboys. I'm laying four at Washington. <laughs> I think I have better form than that. I actually asked for a punching bag. Oh, Speaking of wow. Christmas, little aside, I asked for a punching bag in the seventh grade of Christmas because my ex-boyfriend, Jesse Sellier, broke up with me and went to the movies with my best friend. So I asked my parents for a punching bag and I put a picture of- Just listen of, to the podcast. I put a picture we of his face. We had Eli Manning double birds going I here in the studio. I put a picture of my ex-boyfriend's face when I was in seventh grade on the punching bag. She just said like a heavy bag in the basement? <laughs> yeah. Anyways. For a second, I thought you were going to say you're asking for one this year. And I was like, that's going to look great in your apartment. Just You've got your- Hideaway bed, couch, and then the heavy yeah. bag right over it. Yeah, I'm an interesting person. Cowboys minus four at That's Washington. One word for it. Total 48. This is tough because I've been high on Washington because they've been rolling. They look good. But I like Dallas to make a statement win here. And that statement is... The first half of the season wasn't a fluke because that's what everyone said, right? When I said I want Cowboys over nine and a half wins, I like the Cowboys to be good this year. Everyone said, well, they're going to get in their own way. They're going to fall apart. And everyone's been saying over the past few weeks, told you so. You know what? No, I like them to win this game. The toughest part of their schedule is behind them. They're coming into this with 10 days of rest. They've got Washington twice, the Giants, Eagles, and Cardinals. Obviously, the Cardinals, the biggest competition coming forward, but... They've had some time to come into this game. They're the healthiest they've been all season. They have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb all back. Their front seven is getting healthier. Demarcus Lawrence is back. They're still averaging the most yards a game, the second most points a game. And I think this is the perfect opportunity for Dak to get his healthy receivers involved because Washington is giving up the third most passing yards a game. Head coach Mike McCarthy is expected to come back. Either way, not worried about that. Dan Quinn has done a great job. And while Dallas is getting healthier, it's really the opposite case for Washington. We now know tight end Logan Thomas is out for the season with a knee injury. Defensive end Montez Sweat, who was supposed to return from IR, is now out with COVID for 10 days. And Taylor Heineke has looked great. But this Cowboys defense has the second highest interception rate. They just picked off Taysom Hill four times last week. I'm not writing off the Cowboys just yet. I like them to have a statement win here. 
couple of things. One, I'm just kind of still going through. Now we went from the fight to just a little peel back the curtain of the old dating life. Poor Jesse just caught a stray right there. <laughs> Wherever he is, hope he's doing well or not. Sounds like screw that guy. So maybe not. Maybe we hope we're he like now. steps in. Oh, we're friends now. I was going to say maybe I, we, we hope we can say we hope he like steps in gum today. Uh, I'm going to tell you here. Um, I don't know. I had some eloquent thoughts, but I'm just, again, picturing you fighting your heavy bag with your boyfriend's face on it in seventh grade. That's so. Uh, I'm taking the Cowboys here. I, I also, is there, is that really a conversation that the, the Cowboys are done? I feel like you're making yeah, oh, that up. Oh, hell no. No, that's been all over. I've had people in my ear on Twitter, but also on SportsCenter, they keep saying that's the, the Cowboys Achilles heel is they look good. They have, they have all of the pieces, but then they fall apart. And that's what everyone's saying. I just don't know how you can say that about a team that was so decimated by COVID and injuries. Oh, no, I And then I they agree. come back. So, I, yeah, I'm with you. I'm tailing this here. This is an easy play. For me, Washington, yeah, they've been better. I was at that Raiders-Washington game in person, and it was an ugly matchup. I, I just don't see them being able to, A, limit Dallas's offense now that they're back healthy. Mm -hmm. And you saw how dangerous and explosive that offense is with their, with their big three all healthy that being CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup, it's Amari Cooper up the seam for 40. Mm -hmm. CeeDee Lamb, big catch and run, and then a toe tap back of the end zone touchdown from Michael Gallup in like a five-play span. And you're just like, how, how do you, do you defend that? that? Yeah. How do you stop that? Oh, and by the way, they have a very capable tight end, Dalton Schultz. So the Cowboys are going to score points, and I just don't think that Washington's going to be able to keep up. Um, Taylor Heineke, again, good for a couple turnover-worthy plays. They very well could have lost that game. Taylor Heineke threw a pick. The Raiders went down and kicked a game or go-ahead field goal. Mm -hmm. And then on Washington's game-winning drive, Taylor Heineke threw a gimme pick six that the Raiders dropped. Yeah. So I'm with you here. Um, I think, again, this, this all three out of the four, uh, to me, feel very chalky in terms of don't overthink it, go with yeah. the better team. And then there's the Vikings that make – but I'll let me. you sweat out. I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to sweat that one. Let's talk futures before we get to winning picks because we haven't really done any futures updates yet. Yeah, we're not going to do like a Taylor Bale college game. So let's Taylor Bale a little future. Let's Taylor Bale a little future. And again, I'm going to let you go first. Let's hear what you so got. So we're already, I just will, spoiler alert, we're bailing on each other here. We are. Yeah. Uh, because yep. one cannot happen uh, or both cannot happen um, given what they are. We're both in the AFC. I am going to go with the Colts. To win the AFC. Wow. 20 to 1 right now. Preseason odds were 18 to 1. They're 7 and 6 on their bye week this week and currently not in the playoff picture. What a moron, Joe, you might say. PFF has them as the ninth best team. They're eighth in total DVOA. This is a team that is very complete on both sides of the football. I love that they have a clear identity in terms of being a run-first team. Their offense centers around Jonathan Taylor, the likely or potential offensive player of the year. But they're balanced enough to where they can beat you in a number of different ways. Michael Pittman, a bona fide number one. I sent a lot of crap Carson Wentz's way over the last couple of years. But he's largely played good football this year. And you talk about teams kind of like the Vikings. They're a better version of the Vikings where they're seven and six but they should have at least two or three more wins. They've blown two games against the Titans, the Rams, the Bucks, and the Ravens, all games they lost late. They hang around. And then when they come out of their bye week, 
and this is going to be one of the marquee games of the last kind of quarter of the season, they host New England. And I think they've got a chance to beat New England, which is why I'm taking this bet now at plus 2,000. Don't get crazy. Just throw some beer money on it. Mm. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's throw great a six, Throw a six-pack on it, 20 to 1. And I think this is going to be a fun team. All you need them is to get to the dance. But every game they play in the postseason, they're going to have a shot. And they're going to hang around. They don't, they don't get blown out. They have only lost by two scores twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, give me the Colts. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's good value there. My only thing is you mentioned Jonathan Taylor. If he gets hurt, Right, though, that, that's that's my only problem. We just talked about the Cowboys who have so many weapons on offense that they were still winning games when some of those pieces were injured. Yeah. And a team like the Colts, Jonathan Taylor's out. And, and I mean, that's just, but they also have, you're you right. mentioned that. You're totally right. And especially that position, an injury could come yeah. on any carry. Yeah. It, which is why, yeah, you're not throwing the mortgage on this. Right. Uh, you're no, just throwing, back, yeah. you're, throwing a, you're throwing a cocktail at excess on it, which is like $65. Um, I don't go. Maybe a, I don't go maybe, out. A half a, maybe a half a cocktail. Maybe it's a just coffee. maybe a, a Jack and Coke, but hold the Jack, and it's just a fifteen dollar Coke, and then that's your bet. at Encore. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, they have the Patriots, Cardinals, and Raiders coming up. I'm I'm going to go with the Patriots here, not only to win the AFC, but to win the Super Bowl. Seven to one preseason odds were twenty five to one. No one had faith in Bill Belichick, and they were hundred to one in October. And, they had dipped to 100 to 1 in October. <laughs> Buy the dip. Oh, I should have bought it then. I really should have. Uh, Bucks are the favorite right now to win the Super Bowl. 524. Packers plus 600. Chiefs and then Patriots are in at plus 700. I love this. According to ESPN Football Power Index, a Patriots and Bucks matchup is the most likely right now. How beautiful would that be? And the Patriots have a 14% odds to win it all third best in the NFL. They're on a seven-game win streak, the only team in the NFL with the top three highest-rated offense and defense. They just beat a good Bills team, which, I mean, I, that's not a write-off, I want to say, but they only did it with three passes. Like, they can completely depend on this run game and this defense alone, and enough with the Bill doesn't trust Mac. I saw a bunch of tweets and, and, and commentary about that. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If the run game is working, then go with it. Lean on that. And Mac is a good, trustworthy quarterback. The game before that, he threw for over 300 yards, two touchdowns. Before that, he had two games over 80% completion percentage. He's really just in the perfect system right now to succeed. They don't have star players. They don't have a quarterback that does anything extraordinary, but they've stayed mostly healthy. They can play clean, smart football. And that, to me, sounds like a Super Bowl contender. They're so balanced. They're so well-coached. They don't make mistakes. This is wild. From Football Outsiders, the odds to win the Super Bowl, the Patriots are number one for them at 33.7%. Mm. One in three chance. I don't, that's way too high. Um, the next closest are four NFC teams. So according to Football Outsiders, it's a foregone conclusion. That Sounds the pa- like some that, smart guys over that the, there. <laughs> that the Patriots are going to win the AFC. Um, it's a sensible bet. And you, it's one of those where I guess you kick yourself for not taking it a bit earlier. Um, but they are very much legit. And... They've got some really fun games down the stretch still yet to play. Um, they're on their bye right now as well, but they come out of it with Colts and Bills back-to-back. Yeah. That both of those matchups should be a lot of fun and good tests for them going into the playoffs. I agree. Yeah, looking forward to actually seeing that the Bills matchup again with maybe better weather. I would assume it can't be as bad, but interesting to see. 
Let's talk winning picks. But first, let's give out some free money, free bet promo. Bet five to win 400 new win bet accounts only. $5 on any spread, total or money line of odds minus 120 or greater. You'll get $400 in free bets if it hits. Go to winbet.com or download the app. Winning picks. Joe is one in one. Up 0.25 units, and your girl is 0 and 2. But let me just remind you, I went 0 and 4. Check to out start the graphics the of the backboard. I went Look 0 and 4. Look how Holly looked. I went 0 and 4. Wow, it's a, my face is gigantic. It's like that's a little too much detail. We could lower the high def on that a little bit. <laughs> Anyways, um, I went 0 and 4 to start the season. If any of you were with us on our beginning journey, the first few episodes. Um, and I figured some things out and I got on a really good track. So I just want to say if any of you are out there also maybe missing a few of your winning picks and you're 0-2 like me, keep your head up because things do turn around for you. What a, what's a comeback story? America loves a comeback story. Just a you rags know. to riches. Claudia Bellafato. 58%. Uh, my winning pick is a six-point teaser plus 140. I'm going to start with the Seahawks minus two and a half at Texans. We already talked about this game. Again, I'm not going to overcomplicate it. They're heating up. They should comfortably win by over a touchdown against the worst offense in the NFL right now. Bills plus nine against the Bucks, Taking nothing away from the Patriots, but that last game, I'm not going to weigh too much on it. We already knew they weren't great against the run. That was proven. But Tampa, like the Bills, rely on their passing game. So very different than the Patriots. The Bills defense ranks number one in overall DVOA, number one in pass DVOA specifically. They've allowed the fewest passing touchdowns, the fewest 20-plus yard plays in the NFL. And the Bucs are still dealing with key injuries and absences on both sides of the ball. I'm not saying that the Bills are going to win this game, but if Taylor Heineke, and I hate to keep going back to this game, but I can't stop thinking about it. If Taylor Heineke, and at the time, the worst passing defense in the NFL could actually win just a few weeks ago, then I think Josh Allen in the number one pass defense can do it too, or at least cover with a free touchdown and more. And my last leg is the Packers minus six and a half, just under a touchdown against the Bears. Another don't overcomplicate it, laying under a touchdown with the better team who already won this matchup in week six, 24 to 14. You remember, everyone remembers Rogers saying how he owns them, blah, blah, blah. He sort of does. He's 22 and five against them. Since then, the Bears have lost every game but one. And that was a two-point win against the Lions. They ranked bottom three in passing yards, total yards, points scored. They're getting Justin Fields back. Doesn't do much for me. Uh, Green Bay coming off of a bye. They haven't lost a game at home this season. Ten in a row at Lambeau. They've won. They're getting healthier. Their defense has been impressive. I don't see that game being close. Yeah, great minds here. I'm also going with a three-team, six-point teaser at plus 140. Chargers minus four against the Giants. Seahawks minus two and a half against Texans. And Packers, minus six and a half at home against the Bears. Who's your daddy? Aaron Rodgers is your daddy. Chicago. That's my winning pick for week 14. You like that? I wasn't expecting that. That was interesting. <laughs> what a show. Oh, what a show. All right. That is episode 26. <laughs> Everyone enjoy Thursday night football. We'll see you back here on Monday. Daddy.